Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday. It is August the 21st, and we are streaming live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America. If you are watching us on anything other than Rumble, you are missing out on the community live chat here. I see many of you have already started getting rowdy. And for some reason, there's a thing going on in the chat that is Sarah fans, S-E-R-A-P-H. A-N-S, Sarah fans. <laughs> what is going on with the Sarah fans? Do you know what that is, Ryan? Who who started this? No idea, but I dig it, man. <laughs> I like we got, it. We got Sarah fans in the live chat. Folks, you can join us over on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin slash live for the live show, wherever you're looking, or you can just do slash Kyle Serafin. It'll get you to our main channel. You can click through any of our interviews, and I really recommend you go and check the one that we did with Tara Reed the other day. Tara Reed, sorry, Tara. Um, Check out that uh, that long interview, which we did uh, direct from Moscow, uh, from Russia with love. I think the I think the story that was told there has been actually haunting me for the last couple of days. It's it's mostly haunting me because of her positive outlook on being in Russia and the way that uh, it sort of turns the tables on us. And in that way, uh, a country that we grew up on thinking it was under you know the thumbprint of the USSR that was being squashed and freedoms and uh, all of the liberties that we enjoyed as Americans were turned on their heads, maybe are being turned on their heads over there. And now we are a country full of tyranny. We're going to talk about tyranny today. We're going to talk about taxation, which, you know, taxation is theft. I think we can all agree on that. But how bad is that theft? How much are they taking from us? We're going to kind of explore a little bit about that. We're going to talk about uh, the fact that I think the founding fathers would have been stacking redcoats neatly in the corner of their uh, hunting lodges at this point, because we are just, we have given so much ground up. And the answer to that is never again. We can't do it ever again. I'm seeing a lot of trending information about masks and COVID and uh, it's summer and it's pretty out. So uh, nobody's paying attention to the news cycle. They're out doing things that people do with their kids. They're out there playing in the pool. They're going to the splash pad and uh, they're getting ready for back to school. By the way, I had just a horrible experience at Ikea with uh, back to school shopping. There's nothing I hate more than going to Ikea for back to school shopping folks. But all this stuff is going on. And in the meantime, our government is uh, ratcheting up the tyrannical capabilities and they're hoping that you will memory hole everything else that's going on right now. So we're going to get deep into a lot of the weeds there. We're going to talk about um, what the government does with your money once they have it and they get a lot of it. And uh, we're going to start first, though, by thanking our sponsors, talking about money. Because that's what's keeping us rolling right now. Let me start with my friends over at Catholic Vote. Uh, this is the website. You guys know how to get there, catholicvote.org. You don't have to be Catholic to be interested in faith, family, and freedom. In fact, those are the things that we are most interested here at the Kyle Serafin Show. I don't know that I ever introduced myself as a Catholic other than when I went into the military. You have to put it on your dog tags. I remember doing that. Uh, maybe when I was in high school, it was a big deal because I went to a Catholic high school. It was pretty, pretty obvious. It was on all our jerseys, our uniforms for sports and things like that. But in most of my adult life, I've never gone out and told anybody about this. This is not the way that I've introduced myself until recently. And it is a thing that I think is worth touting at this point, wearing your Christian faith as a badge of honor because the government has now deemed it unnecessary and dangerous. It has been shut down. Let's uh, let's support Catholic Vote. You guys can go and put in your email address, get the loop. Uh, if you want to donate to their causes, they are suing the FBI and, and uh, helping fight back for pregnancy centers that were burned down. They are trying to get uh, information and, and update the tallies on what's been going on 
in this country when the, our tax dollars are being abused, particularly against our First Amendment liberties like freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to petition the government, freedom to gather and assemble with those that we wish. Uh, Catholic Vote is America's top advocacy group. And you know what else they do? Ryan, they put out the loop, you know? They put out the loop, which I'm a big fan of. There it is right here. There's today's loop. Admin scolds court for curtailing uh, abortion pill. The Biden administration is mad about this. This looks like actually not recently. This is not even the today's loop. What is the, the real loop? Here it is. I already pulled this up. There it is. Candidates pushing to disqualify or trying to qualify for the first debate. We're actually going to talk a little bit about some of the political candidates for the Republican, the GOP primary debate. Illegal migration rising again. Go figure. CBP is reporting new numbers. We've got Maui residents blasting Biden. Well, we could talk a little bit about that probably ourselves. How about the uh, the mental health crisis among children being overwhelmed in emergency rooms? My wife brought this up to me. Actually, she brought this up over the weekend, telling me that the uh, the number of children showing up in emergency rooms related to anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts or attempts is increasing. Maybe we are living in a country that is without hope, and it does that sort of thing. ESG is losing th uh, losing face at the top climate companies. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of good things in there. Check out the loop. I, I, I highly do recommend it. It actually has a really good survey of what's going on in this country. So if you're not doing that, you are missing out. And I'm just seeing, I look over every once in a while and I catch you guys in the live chat. Are they associated with Catholic Charities? They are not. They are a lay organization of people that are an advocacy group for Christian values more fundamentally. So Catholic, the word itself actually means sort of universal Christian church. And they really do push... Uh, pretty universal values. They are not going after a specifically Roman Catholic ideology. They are really broadly interested in pro-life, pro-family, pro-faith, pro-freedom. These things are, are pretty easy to uh, to uh, get behind. So I recommend that. Uh, also, I want to say a couple things over here to our friends who have been yelling about freeing the merch. I know we're doing long form here, but there it is. There is the merch. You go to the-suspendables.com. If you go to the-suspendables without the dash, there's a hockey website. You will not get our merch. But the-suspendables.com, you'll get to Garrett's website with the Suspendables collection, all kinds of great T-shirts in there. Uh, the PT shirt should be on way because I'm going to start working out in that. I'll wear it around my neighborhood. We're big and appreciative of that. And lastly, and before we get any further along, didn't we have? do we have a video, Ryan, of, uh, of you running around with a Patriot? cooler tumbler i got it let's let's run <laughs> that do. folks this is this is what happens when you let ryan off the chain he runs down into texas he gets out of <laughs> michigan and he feels the freedom of texas america so he runs around let's let's see what they got here in lagula texas out here tracking illegal aliens that are crossing the border uh, behind us is the rio grande over there it's 105 degrees out sweating my ass off couldn't be hotter honestly backpack gear you name it the only way i'm staying hydrated is thanks to Kyle Serafin and Patriot Coolers. These 32 ounce American Pride Patriot Tumbler has kept my drinks ice cold this entire trip. You won't find a better guy or a better company that supports American Patriot, that supports our values, that's willing to go above and beyond to make sure that the brave men and women, the whistleblowers that are coming forward, have a source of income. They donate to veterans, they do it all. They sponsor the Kyle Serafin podcast. And that's a company that I want to be around. That's a company I want to support. Visit patriotcoolers.com forward slash Kyle Serafin and get 10% off the latest Patriot coolers, tumblers, coolers. Probably got some sweet merch, coffee mugs, coffee cups, you name it. Grab yourself some, grab your friends and family some, support the show. Again, my name is Ryan Meta. Catch you guys in the next one. <laughs> Here's mine sitting on the desk right now. My wife filled it up for me. Uh, Patriot baby count. We are still in overtime, folks. We have not had the baby yet. Obviously, I am here. So, but yes, the free the cup uh, campaign was successful. We really appreciate it. Let's dive right into our topics. If you want to get a uh, Patriot 
Cooler Tumblr. Go to patriotcoolers.com slash discount slash Kyle or just use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Promo code Kyle, 10% off. All right, let's rock and roll. Topic number one. Guys, you're going to be really excited about this. Last week, New Zealand, one of those great bellwetter locations that told us exactly how to handle COVID the right way, a tiny little population on a tiny little island that had all the same problems everyone else did with COVID. They they declared on uh, the 14th that COVID is officially over. The COVID restrictions are over. Let's bring up topic number one, if you would, Brian. Um, We've got Reuters reporting that it is over. There it is. We're so excited. New Zealand's government will lift all the remaining COVID-19 requirements midnight on Tuesday, bringing an end to some of the toughest COVID-19 pandemic rules in the world. For more than three years, these things were put in place. Their minister of health. I like when they have ministries. You guys know what the word ministry is? It comes from a Latin word um, to send. I think that's really fun. These people will no longer have to wear masks in healthcare facilities or isolate for seven days after contracting the virus. They are joining the world community and saying... COVID is officially over. While our numbers continue to fluctuate, we have not seen the dramatic peaks that characterize COVID-19 rates during the last year. And this, paired with the population immunity level, means that the cabinet and I are advising that these physicians safely remove the remaining COVID-19 requirements. Well, hallelujah and hooray. I think I put another one up there from the AP. I think that's topic number two. They said uh, they are they were closely watching. Everyone wanted to see how New Zealand handled it. And the reason why is because it's a, it's a closed circuit in many ways. They have a limited number of outside visitors. They are on an island. They have a, a pretty homogenous population. And so there you go. You've got the COVID-19 restrictions. The prime minister said the requirement to wear a mask in hospitals and other healthcare facilities would end at midnight as a requirement for people who caught the virus that they don't have to... They don't have to deal with it. They were really, if you remember, the darling of the international community because uh, they put this nationwide lockdown on. They had strict border controls. Weird. Strict border controls. Are we going to talk about that later, Ryan? Strict border controls? I just uh, saw you. Most definitely. Most definitely. I just saw a, a, a video of you walking around on the border. That seemed like it was pretty squared away. The United States had uh, some border patrol pieces uh, under Title 42 that wore off because, you know, the U.S. is ahead of the curve on this stuff. But the, the most exciting thing. They had uh, 3,250 New Zealanders died in a population of 5 million. I actually want to do the math on that while we're sitting here and talking. I didn't see that earlier, but that's 3,250 people died out of 5 million uh, times 100. So that's a 0.065%, not even 0.1%. It's half of one-tenth of a percent of people that had COVID in New Zealand died. So way to go. The restrictions and the tyranny was obviously worth it. Um, Pretty interesting as one of these little case studies that they like to do. They talk about the sacrifices that everybody had to make. Yeah, they just had to give up all their guns like they did from uh, after the Christchurch shooting. They had to give up all their freedoms to move. They had to give up all their freedoms to uh, dress themselves the way they wanted. They had to put a mask everywhere they went. Yeah, that seems fine, right? Let's just shut down all of it. Um, a, a country that was apparently not interested in the fundamental promises of liberty. And while that is going on, and they're so pleased that they are going to be shutting this thing down, we at least have some pushback in the United States. I actually think they were a harbinger of the evils that exist. I'm actually looking at a website here that I didn't send to Ryan. This is from the United States Department of Labor in the United States, land of the free, home of the masked. 
COVID-19 admission levels and masking requirements, the DOL, Department of Labor, COVID-19 health and safety protocols can be found on the DOL COVID-19 workplace safety plan. The masking requirements align with guidance from the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force that's tied to three different COVID-19 admission levels. Now, you may not be tracking this. You may not be aware of it, but the CDC is actually still out there putting numbers available to the public and to your federal government offices so that they can make fantastic masking decisions and they are based on low medium or high levels of transmission no further information i looked i am still in a low area in williamson county here in texas and travis county which is the main city uh, austin still a low and yet i had no idea that they were still doing these things there is still it's one of those funny uh, pieces that reagan always talked about that the idea of uh, eternal life on earth there's nothing closer to that than a government program the CDC has gotten its hooks into the American populace, into population-based COVID-19 studies. This is one virus. We're talking about a government agency that is designed to handle all infectious diseases. Every single communicable and infectious disease, they're supposed to handle research and data, and they're supposed to make policy recommendations and so on. And they have gotten full hog behind COVID-19 as maybe the only threat to American life and liberty. How is that? How did they decide that this one virus that came out of nowhere that has a 0.065% kill rate in New Zealand, and the and I don't know what the numbers are here because the numbers are not good. They're made up. They're completely fudged, as we've seen. They were counting deaths with COVID and not deaths from COVID. There was no way for us to tie the actual death numbers in this country to have any meaningful policy recommendations. And yet we have a CDC, a full government agency behind it that does nothing but run COVID stuff. In fact, if you go to their website, like they're COVID-19 all the time. Oh, and also wired wildflower smoke. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on this week. I just kind of want to see what's happening. There's some strange information coming out of Maui and uh, it's not, it's not very uh, useful to me. Because it's just doesn't it's there's left and there's right and it's polarized and we're talking about space lasers and we're talking about whether it was intentional fire setting. I just don't think the data is there yet for us to figure it out. What we do know is that uh, Hawaii is a very blue state and they voted for really bad policies. And shockingly, the government, which is supposed to protect and save you, didn't do that thing. And I think that actually plays really well into what's been going on with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. <laughs> it says. Actually, if you look at their website, it says CDC 24-7, saving lives, protecting people, trademarked, TM. They trademarked their crappy slogan, saving lives and protecting people. To me, that's sort of shocking. Um, but they also are really good at disseminating information that's favorable to their regime. It is all about CYA over at the CDC. And I just read a story about a, mix, a Michigan teen who was 13 years old, 13-year-old boy who died in his sleep three days after getting the second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And he had a systemic bacterial infection. The CDC came out and said he didn't die because of the vaccine. Obviously, that would not be good for business, and they are in the business of vaccines. So that wasn't what was going on. What was really happening was he had a systemic septic infection and they, they were able to isolate the bacteria, Clostridium uh, sep septicus, sepsis, bloodstream infection. That's what got him. Toxins that it came out of there. Of course, he had myocarditis, but that came from the bacteria. Do you want to know how many people die from, from C, uh, now I have to, 
septicus, septicum, <laughs> C septicum, sorry, clostridium septicum. The, there's only three, or the, I'm sorry, there's only six people under the age of 18 that die in any given year. It's less than 10. So this kid just randomly, an otherwise healthy kid, went to bed, woke up, or didn't wake up at all, and had nothing to do with the vaccine. And the debunking Kyle, I gotta, is the CDC. Go ahead. I got a video that shows uh, there's 120,000 children have been killed from the COVID-19 vaccine. You want to roll it? Pretty wild. Yeah, I got it. If you want it, yeah. Take a look. Let's do it. Breaking news, CDC admit 120,000 U.S. children died suddenly following COVID jab rollout. Media black out a bombshell report from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has revealed that a staggering 120,000 American children died suddenly following the rollout of the mRNA COVID jabs. Obviously, they're not reporting on this. There's media blackout on that on the Joe Biden crime family, and they just like reporting a indictment that's happening every two weeks or three weeks from a former president who's done nothing, absolutely nothing wrong, because obviously they're getting caught. The Matrix has been exposed. People <laughs> Everybody wants to tie it back into the Matrix. I'll tell you what, the Matrix was well ahead of its time when it came out in, uh, what, the, the late 90s? I remember seeing it when I was in high school, so I think it was like 98, 99, the original one. The, the fact of the matter is, is the CDC is running top cover for information that is not readily available. And if you want to tell me that this kid died from that, maybe he did. Maybe it was just a total coincidence that three days earlier he had gotten another COVID shot. Or maybe these shots have something to do with the fact that a lot of people are turning it dead. And myocarditis, which is a known side effect, is not necessarily from the toxins created by this bacteria, which kills less than 10 children under the age of 18 per year in the United States. It just seems highly convenient that they were able to pin it on an incredibly rare blood infection and the odds that that would happen. Um, but all that is an aid of something else that's going on. They need to discount. They need to make sure that you're interested in getting those shots. I think somebody, there's actually a study that I saw and I didn't post it for you, Ryan. It said there's some studies going on right now that suggest to you that depending on the arm that you get injected with, it can the COVID-19 shot can be more effective. So the shot what? placement is actually relevant to its, its efficacy. Does that make any bit of sense to anybody out there in the world that if you choose the muscle mass on your, uh, your right deltoid versus your left deltoid, that you're going to somehow see an increased uh, result? You're, uh, that, the, that the protection is going to be higher? I mean, this is full-on paganism. This is a, a full-on religion of people that are buying into it. Luckily for us, I think we've seen that there's at least a little bit of a pushback, particularly in places like Texas, where I'm living right now. If you'll uh, pull up, I think it's topic number three that I put on there. The, uh, the Texas Tribune reported in June, and this is an ongoing sort of thing. This is kind of where we're going with this. Uh, in June, they reported that there was a, a, um, a ban for COVID mass vaccines and no shutdowns allowed under this new Texas law that was signed into to law, takes effect on September 1st. So has not yet gone into effect, but in 10 days here in Texas, America, we will have a law that will now restrict pandemic rules. It doesn't slow down private entities. So if you want to go into a store and they have a mask requirement, you can choose whether or not to comply with said requirement. What it says, uh, but but however, it's the most important thing is, is that they've actually shut it down from the governmental end. And we should not see, theoretically, small governments going against it. However, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, what it does say is that it's a, a largely symbolic debate to the average Texan. The pandemic is waning. I want you to remember this. The pandemic is waning. And Greg Abbott, 
long ago took executive action to snuff out all types of mandates, but it still remains a salient cause for some in Abbott's party who have championed medical freedom in the wake of the pandemic. They put medical freedom in scare quotes like Dr. Evil here. Uh, State representative from Midlothian said he voted for SB 29, calling it fine, but questioning how much it matters. He pushed for a more sweeping ban on vaccine mandates during the regular season. His quote, is there a single COVID-19 mandate that SB 29 will end? Probably not. He added that private vaccine mandates are alive and well in Texas, despite Abbott's orders, and the state should be leading the fight against COVID tyranny. I agree with all those things. We may reach out to Brian Harrison, see if he wants to come on and talk about that, because I think it's going to become more and more necessary to discuss. Uh, this appears to be an issue that uh, Greg Abbott wants to put in the rearview mirror, etc. Now, uh, on top of that, if you'll go to topic number four, we actually have another a follow-up article that was written a couple weeks later. This is actually really important. This is the Texas Supreme Court saying that Greg Abbott's COVID-19 ban on local mask rules is in fact lawful. And the reason why is because leftist cities like the one that I live north of, although not in, like Austin, have this symbolic fight where they are going after and trying to uh, to knock it down and claim that they can make mask mandates. Now, the state has already said no. What's interesting is, is Austin is the seat of power. It's the Washington, D.C. of the of the the, <laughs> the country of Texas, if you will. It is the, the main leftist sort of enclave that exists. And there's other blue areas like Houston and uh, San Antonio has some blue and so does Dallas. But the, the extreme sort of weird libbies all come into Texas and in, in Austin. That's where they've all been moving. And moreover, they all... Uh, make the laws out of there. So this is where the fight is going to be most obvious to people like Greg Abbott. But uh, if you're doing it correctly, I think you're supposed to move to Austin, start a podcast, make 40K. If you guys saw our Friday show, you know what I'm talking about. In, <laughs> in any case, they they claim that this is settling the uh, the debate of whether or not we're going to have masking requirements and this is all just ceremonial and we're just making this sort of nonsensical the thing. Here's what the, uh, the justice said. They said they we hold that uh, during a declared disaster, the government has a lawful authority to prohibit local officials from imposing mask requirements in response to a contagious disease. So uh, that sounds like it's pretty well settled in the state of Texas. Now, why am I bringing all this stuff up? I'm bringing it up because of something that was released over the uh, over the weekend towards the end of the, uh, the, the Friday afternoon. This is something from Alex Jones. I have an awful lot of faith in this because I've been hearing the same kind of things. Let's play video clip number one. And uh, folks, I want you to just listen. This is Alex Jones may be a wild dude, but he's often right. So let's listen to number one. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town and they wanted to meet with me that I know well. And they are a high level manager in the TSA. And I went and met with them. And had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, that this is done. They were told this is happening. This is not hypothetical. You will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada, 
And because of the WHO, they may you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. And there it is. We've been told this is going to happen. And if you think that that is not the case, you're not paying attention. The people on social media are starting to agitate. I'm starting to see more and more of these like loser troll accounts come out and they are they are backing mask mandates. They're discussing how they were uh, efficient and effective at stopping the flow. I'm getting people that are coming into my mentions now that are telling me things like, you know, the mask was always to protect other people, not yourself. This wasn't supposed to stop the spread for you. Really? So you're telling me that those crazy people that I keep seeing in airports or walking around in the grocery store or the five people that wear them at my church at mass, those people are wearing the masks for me? I mean, thanks. How about no? How about how about I'd rather see your smiling face? I'm not worried about you. I don't think that's why they're wearing them. They're wearing them because they're confused sheep. And you all know that as well. There are a lot of confused sheep out there in the world at this moment, and they are looking for the next thing to be scared of because they've been running on a fear addiction for the last three plus years. They were scared, well, maybe even eight years. They were scared of Donald Trump. They were scared that he was going to end the world. I had a a brother call me and tell me that uh, Donald Trump had basically caused North Korea to launch missiles at them, and that was the end of their their island. It turns out it was actually Joe Biden's crappy policies for aid that is going to be ending up uh, destroying parts of Maui. But we had had this ongoing fear factor that just kept going on. At any moment, it was going to be World War III. Well, guess who didn't get us into new wars? And I'm not the biggest Donald Trump fan in the world. Many of you guys know this. He's not my guy that I'm going to hang my hat on. But he is a guy that was awfully reasonable. And even people in Russia who are leftists, and I think that uh, Tara would agree that she is a pretty left-leaning person. She's politically homeless now because Joe Biden is representing her old party. But the woman has a, a lot of very liberal sympathies. Maybe leftist is not accurate. Maybe liberal is more appropriate. She has a lot of the leftist sort of ideas that uh, that historically existed. And, and yet she can objectively look at it and say Donald Trump was a better option because the fear that they are trying to run the gamut on right now, the fear that is coming out of the mouths of these people that they are trying to reintroduce, it's addictive. It is a dopamine hit as well. It's a cortisol drop. These people are looking for what is going to be the next reason for me to maintain the fear. The people in power are doing it because they can exercise authority over you. The people that are used to being told what to do, they are looking for that comforting feeling of someone is going to rule me. And if you're an American and you want to be ruled, knock yourself out. Go live in a place that does that. Go live in New York City where they tell you how you can carry and what size soft drink you can drink. But if you want to live in a free America like some of us do, You would expect that your free thought would be the foremost. And why are they going to the TSA first, you wonder? Why would that be the first implement of it? Some of these things have never left. The mask mandates for the VA never left. Federal buildings never left. They're still out there. They still have it. All they got to do is justify that it's a high enough level. But anything in the medical sphere, when it comes to federal government monies, has that ability and they can push these things. So that's part two. But the, the TSA is specifically because there is a free understanding that we live in a free country with free mobility. And that is something that is trying to be restricted. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a little more about uh, the C40 agenda, which are the 40 cities worldwide that want to restrict your access to certain things. We're going to talk about it a little bit deeper. But One of the things that they mention is air travel. They want to limit it to 1,500 miles for one round-trip flight. I think it's 1,500 kilometers, actually, because they're they're, uh, European. 
And uh, so they want you to be able to stay within 700 miles, one round trip flight every three years. Why would they do that? Because America, this country, is a free mobility nation. We have the ability to lead between states with no checkpoints, except if you go into California. You have the ability to travel freely on our road systems that we all pay for and see a lot of the country. And most of the country is open, free, and fair. And when you go into the big kind of constricted areas, it's really amazing. The further, it's freer to travel from Nevada to South Carolina than it is to go the short distance from Virginia into, let's say, Connecticut. The number of tolls you have to hit in New Jersey and in New York and in Connecticut and all these little cities that are these little states that are the size of like counties where I live, these tiny little areas that are full of population density, it's very expensive to travel through them. They want to hit you for every single piece of it. And what are they doing with their tax dollars? They're using them to constrict your, your movement. They're trying to make it so that only people who have enough money can go around. You can take a car in Oklahoma City and you can drive all the way to Canada really, really easily in this country. It's actually pretty incredible. But the ability to restrict mobility and therefore to keep populations in small little areas, subsetted and divided from each other is the goal. It seems like. Uh, it does seem like the goal. And so what are they doing in the meantime? They're trying to get you distracted. They're going to put out the face diapers. They're going to put out all the Karens out there, the mask fascists. The ma we need to have a good name for that. So uh, in the chat or in the, in the comments below, give me some good names for mask fascists. I'd like to be able to start uh, tagging some of these out there because I see them a lot and I know they're pushing this totalitarian idea. But if they worked, they wouldn't have to convince us. And since they don't work, they have to have this messaging campaign. It's all pretty gross. And in the meantime, what do we see going on? They're trying to control you with other means. They're trying to take your money in taxation and then they're using your money to control what you're doing or to watch what you're up to. I want to talk a little bit about something we found out. This is topic number uh, seven, Ryan, if you would. Topic number seven is going to tell us a little bit about a recently exposed problem. This is actually coming from CNN, so I'm not going to a source that you guys uh, you know, are going to say is Fox News or anything else. This is a CNN left-leaning media source released Friday at 4.18 Eastern time. If you, if you know anything about the news cycle, when they give you something that happens on a Friday afternoon, it means they are trying to bury it. It means they are putting it out in a place where you are not going to pay attention to it. House GOP subpoenas Citibank over alleged January 6th back-channel cooperation with the FBI. All right, let's break down what we're talking about. We're talking about financial surveillance that is taxpayer funded by the FBI. That means your money goes into the federal government and your money goes in and then it pays for the FBI to do what? To hunt down J6ers, except they're going to do so with the cooperation of a, an incredibly large bank, one of the, the biggest banks in this country. Now, I'm going to read the opening of this just because it's worth noting the uh, the facts of the case. So Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan issues a subpoena to Citibank, interestingly. It's part of the hunt for information on whether banks shared private customer data with the FBI after the January 6th insurrection. Obviously, a CNN, um, you know, a CNN piece would be would be absolutely remiss if they did not mention the insurrection part of it. Uh, this is a letter that was released Thursday initially. It just says that the Citibank declined to voluntarily provide information to lawmakers. Honestly, nobody should have voluntarily provided it to lawmakers, nor should they have voluntarily provided it to the FBI. This is the real problem. Among those seven banks that we're talking about, it's PNC, Citibank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Truist, and U.S. Bank. These are the seven banks 
Citibank was the only one that didn't voluntarily comply. I hope they also didn't voluntarily comply with the FBI. Wouldn't that be something to find out that they wouldn't comply with the oversight committee that is represented by people that were actually elected and that they did comply with an unelected group? We'll find out. It will come out. It'll take a while. This is not going to be something fast. And the reason why we're doing this sort of look is because Bank of America also provided information to the FBI without any legal process. And we know that because of our very own friend, George Hill, a whistleblower who went forward after his time working for the FBI in the Boston field office. The FBI's Boston field office had a list of people that did any transaction between J5 and J7 of 2021 using a Bank of America credit or debit card. Any transaction. And then they specifically filtered them by people who they know had bought guns at any time using a B of A product. That's pretty incredible stuff. BOA, B of A rather, Bank of America, decided to do the most un-American thing possible and move forward and show people to the FBI that owned a gun and were in D.C. on January 5th through 7th of 2021. No further information. No criminal predicate. This is the basis, the definition of what an intelligence case looks like. You were in the area. You own a gun. Let's look at you. You'd think that would be prohibited under the First Amendment. And then you would think that since there is no allegation that they've misused the Second Amendment, that this would not be acceptable. And yet the FBI has been able to do it and they are doing it with impunity. And so they're trying to find out if there are other banks that were involved in this sort of nonsense. Were there other banks that were volunteering? Were they being um, requested by the FBI? And that's the real question. What sort of pressure was going on by the FBI? By the way, the FBI pays a fair amount of money for process. When they go and they ask for records, bank records, whether it be through national security letters or subpoenas, they pay for that privilege to get access to it. The company is not required to eat it. And so there is a financial tra transaction that happens between the Bureau and these banks. And it's not necessarily uh, that small. What we saw, interestingly enough, in the Twitter files is that it was like three something million dollars for Twitter to produce all of the records that they were looking for. And whether you think uh, the odds of Twitter being a larger grab by a federal law enforcement agency than, let's say, one of the major banks in America, I would say the banks probably have a lot more service and there may be actually more money involved. That would be another question we would like to see. So if you are out there and you want to hit up Jim Jordan's Judiciary Committee, if one of your representatives is on that committee, let's find out how much money goes between the FBI and these banks. I've said it here. You guys are the force multiplier. You take it to your representatives. Let's find out how much the federal government is paying our biggest banks for access to their records when they do subpoenas and how friendly that relationship looks, what that, that back scratch looks like. Because all this stuff comes down to how much we are being taxed. Most of you guys know if you're in a, an average tax bracket, you make under, um, let's, do we have a, a tax bracket pull up? No, I didn't put that on there. The tax brackets are basically 22, 23, 24%. Those are kind of like the most average uh, federal tax brackets. We got a blank screen up here. Ryan's going to try to dig this up in real time for me. So bear with me, folks. The um, My bad. Yeah, no, no worries. So it's it's 22, 23 percent. I, I just got some notice. Actually, this is from this is a piece I got from the FBI. They wanted to know they were going to charge me ten thousand dollars for my move in 2021 if my tax bracket wasn't the proper tax bracket that they would normally assume. But the federal income taxes are just a small piece of it. Will you bring up the uh, let's see here. We've got the. The property tax topic number six. This is from Rocket Mortgage. There you go. So your federal income tax brackets, the lowest are getting 10% all the way up. The meat, the meat and potatoes is that 22 to 24% federal uh, income tax bracket. Those are people that are paying like, that are making less than $170,000 a year. Probably most Americans are going to fit into that. 
And what we can do is we can look at the the income tax, I'm sorry, the federal tax brackets. That's one piece of it. The second piece is, is that other little sneaky tax you get when you buy land, but you don't actually own it. And so what I went and looked at was the property, the, the property taxes ranked by state and the percentage that people are paying. Some of these places don't have a state income tax. Some of them have this on top of a state income tax. The lowest property tax, interestingly enough, is in Hawaii. So if that's not your, your residence, you're paying 0.2%. If that's not your primary residence and so you don't have to worry about whatever their income tax is, you can have property there relatively cheaply. 0.28%. And with the average home price of $615,000, you're paying about $600 a year. So that's nice. That's not so bad. Let's scroll down to the bottom of that, that graph and let's see where the real, the real tax meat comes in. Places like Texas, where we're seeing that the, uh, the median home price is $172,000. It's a 1.8% tax. Now, Texas doesn't have a state income tax, so you're looking at $3,900. So if you were just making, let's say, $100,000 just for for basic um, basic math, almost 4% of your overall income is going to go and pay your, your state property taxes in, play, in a place like Texas. And then you figure that everything you spend is going to get taxed because we all have sales taxes, anywhere from 5 to 10% sales tax, depending on where you live. That's your consumption tax. And so not only is it being taxed on the front door on the way in, in your income tax, it's going to get taxed on the thing that you were already owning which is your property tax. That just is a, a just a steady decline against it. And then anytime you want to spend the money that was already taxed, you're going to get taxed again. If you think about it, Ryan, you were saying that it was like up to 53% of your dollars that you earn are taxed. This doesn't include things like Social Security and Medicare. Those are all built into that 53%, another 6.5% plus a 1.8% for Medicare. So almost another 8% going on over there. It's like 8% here, yes, sir. 22% here, 10% for sales, right? Another four yes. to five percent when you're talking about your property taxes. We are paying taxes on the front end, on the back end, and in the middle over and over again. And then we laugh because our country was founded on a revolution over a three percent tax on tea. And I think that's the thing that we've gotten away from in this country. It it does bring more and more people back. It's the upside of social media, it's the upside of these conversations. It should be the number one thing being discussed in the GOP primary. And it's kind of why I'm excited about this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy in it, because he actually had a fantastic take on this. I'm gonna have you bring up video number two, if you would, Ryan. Video number two is Vivek talking about what the spirit of this election season coming up in 2024 should be like. And I think a lot of you are getting, getting there right now. Well, I think the Ukraine-Russia conflict is a direct consequence of corruption in our own government. There's a lot of corruption in Ukraine where they're siphoning off our money to enrich a lot of people over there. But it's actually, it's easy to point at the finger at somebody else's corruption. It's a lot harder to take a long, hard look in the mirror as a nation and identify that corruption at home. So big tech government collusion, done. Big pharma government collusion, done. Military, private, industrial military with government, done. That's, that's the short answer. We need, we have an anti-competitive arena I think that anybody who has worked in the government should have a 10-year hiatus at minimum to work in an industry that they've been responsible for contracting with or regulating. That's just basic table stakes. I mean, the lobbying is really where a lot of this begins, and, and I have a lot more solutions beyond this. I personally believe that if I, as the next U.S. president, can't work for the taxpayer and collect a paycheck from them for more than eight years, which I think is a good thing, then neither should 
pretty much any of those federal bureaucrats reporting into me either. Somebody shouldn't be able to work for the federal government for more than eight years continuously. That's when the corruption and the rot and the entitlement and the ossification of bureaucracy begins. And so if we can continue, I could give you a, a list of policy prescriptions, shutting down agencies, legal authority to do it. I've done this elsewhere, but this is not incremental reform. This is revolution when it comes to that deep state. He talks dramatically about the spirit of 1776 and the fact that this is revolution. We're not talking about a basic election. We are talking about a bloodless revolution. That is what is on the, the, the counter right now. I want to give a little bit of more context about the uh, the piece about property taxes that blew my mind. When I was uh, graduating high school, which was in the year 2000, I just pulled the stuff up here on my phone, so I'm just reading it right off. This is from the United States Census Bureau. The median value of a U.S. home was $119,000. One hundred and nineteen thousand. Now, remember your basic math. Your median is the middle point in the highest and the lowest value. If you string all the values of all the homes from left to right, the one that's like closest to the middle is one hundred and nineteen thousand, which is not the same as an average, which is going to be when you take all of the homes and you divide them by the number of homes. You have the value of the homes and you divide it by the number. Here's the really interesting percent. That one hundred and nineteen thousand six hundred dollar mark is an 18% increase over 10 years, okay? From 1990 to 2000, it went from 101,100 to 119,600, an 18% increase in value. Well, that's a lot of money over 10 years, but it's an incremental gain. Now let's look at what the average home price is now, 23 years later. Has it gone up by 18% over 10 years times two? No, it's gone up by 400%. The average home price, and they claim also the median home price in the United States right now is $416,100. A $400 plus $1,000 house when I, was in, when I was in high school would have been for people who are wealthy. In my, in my memory, I recall that a $400,000 house was out of the reach of most Americans. It is now the average and both the average and the median, according to Fool, which is the uh, Motley Fool's website. Their Fool's research says it is the same. And that is a 26% increase in the last three years since 2020, where it was 329000 We've seen a massive inflation in the cost of property. So what does that do to your tax rates? What it does is, is it artificially inflates the amount of money that you're going to be paying against, because normally you'd be paying, let's say 4% of your income, and that's pretty well fixed because it's based on the value of your property. If your property is increasing at a reasonable rate, then you're going to actually have the same amount taken out of your paycheck. But when you have a property tax that is against a property that is like exploding in value, I saw somebody in the chat just say a second ago that their property tax doubled in the last two years. If that is the case, if you have your property taxes doubling, you are seeing more and more erosion of your actual fundamental wealth. It's taking things that you own that should be increasing in value that you shouldn't necessarily be paying on at a higher rate and you are getting more and more taxed on it. Plus, we are seeing a weakening of the value of the dollar with the inflation. We are seeing more and more nasty stuff going on and we're paying for it. Where does it go? Like, where is this money that we are sending into the federal government, to the local and the state resources go? They're going into bizarre programs that are antithetical to American freedoms. By the way, the consensus is we are somewhere between a tie on dumbask and mask hole. So if you have a vote, whether you think dumbask or mask hole, 
is a preferable term for people that are the uh, the fascists that are pushing masks. Please put that in the chat or put it more more uh, appropriately. Put it down in the comments because we actually want to keep track of this thing. I may do a Twitter poll, in fact. So uh, at Kyle Serafin is the Twitter account. You guys can go check that thing out. What are we spending all this money on? Um, if you'll bring up topic number 10, Ryan, I think people are going to be absolutely shocked to know that even though we have some decent ideas in our government occasionally, they all end up being about the worst way that you can spend money. I always say that government is probably the, the worst solution to any problem, except when it's the only solution. Topic 10 is going to show us, it's a story from Gateway Pundit. It's going to tell us exactly where this is coming up goes. one sec. Yeah, no problem. So I'm just going to start reading ahead, folks. We're going to start talking about this thing. This is a, a report that's coming in right now. that The Biden administration sold $300 million worth of border wall parts, huge chunks of steel, massive amounts of raw materials that were all laying waste in the desert, just hanging out, collecting dust and rust, things that were all getting oxidized, like hanging out there. They sold it for $2 million. They took your money that is being inflated and taxed at an incredible rate. They put it into the federal government. The federal government went through some awful hiring and buying process. And then they turned around, spent all the money. So a bunch of contractors made money and those same contractors could turn around and bid and buy it for $2 million. This is Gateway Pundit and Jim Hoff reporting it. Uh, this is going, going out as of yesterday. This is a Sunday news story that I saw. Many of you will not see this if you were not paying attention. So meanwhile, we've got 7 million individuals per the Gateway Pundit coming in under Joe Biden's regime in the last two years. 7 million walking across our border and the border wall that we had already paid for that was already U.S. taxpayer dollars sunk costs were just left out there in the desert, not installed, hanging out in Yuma, Arizona, and then being sold for $2 million. Interesting. We're going to have to find out who, in fact, was the uh, the buyer of this thing. I would be shocked if it wasn't the same people who were the original manufacturers of it. The Daily Caller has reported on this as well. Um, and uh, what we saw was a, a report that was coming out by Maria uh, Bartiroma, who, who was actually sharing this. But end of the day, we're taking all of our money. It is being taken away at a higher rate, devalued and inflated, put into a government program, and then they are spitting in our face by not even using it for what it was for and giving it right back to the people that originally were in that business. And, and that is not the way that you want to spend your money. That is not the thing that you should be voting for. Anybody who votes for it is complicit. And moreover, there's all this crying about why the Biden administration has not been helping out the people of Hawaii. Hawaii is one of the bluest places that you can find. It has some of the most stupid and corrupt local government run by bullies. If you haven't seen any of the videos out there where somebody is trying to ask a question, there's like this, uh, you know, local official who's trying to say he was the guy that was in charge of the the federal warning system that was funded by a bunch of tax dollars on whether or not they would let people know if there was a wildfire or a tsunami or any other approaching, you know, dangerous um, hurricane, things like that. And they chose not to activate that that early warning system. The the uh, the reporter asks a question and says, "Hey, how come you guys didn't do that? And have you changed your mind? Do you feel good about it now that this happened?" And this enormous Samoan looking guy steps up and basically just goes like, "He already answered the question. Like, shut your mouth." It looks like a mob movie. It looks like a mob movie where the mob is standing behind some poor government official and they're pulling the strings on it. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you give your money to the federal government. You've got a big bully that is pushing things around and you've got uh, all of us basically getting uh, the short end of the stick. I want to talk about something that came up because somebody brought this up the other day. Nobody uh, really understands how this process works. It's another thing that your tax dollars are funding. 
This is a thing called InfraGuard. It's topic number eight, Ryan, if you want to bring it up. InfraGuard is an FBI program that is very, very related to what was going on with the Citibank, with the idea that banks would freely give over information. Now, what you're seeing right now is a, is a, uh, a brochure. If you're watching on the Rumble channel, if you're not, you're missing out on seeing the brochure, a government brochure at that, which is defending our nation's most critical asset. The mission of InfraGuard is to enhance the nation's ability to collect and address and mitigate threats inside the United States through critical infrastructure by fostering cooperation, education, and information sharing through robust private sector and government partnerships. I'm going to say it again, robust private sector and government partnerships. In order to accomplish this mission, they promote an ongoing dialogue and timely communication between members and the FBI through local, regional, national programs. The scary things are the local and the regional, the national is expected. InfraGuard, which you can find information about at InfraGuard, G-A-R-D, there's no U in InfraGuard.org. This is a Alliance for National Infrastructure Protection. Anytime that you hear national and protection, you should be concerned. They're showing you, uh, Ryan's giving you kind of a, a little view of what their brochure looks like. This is a program where mediocre FBI employees that no longer want to do the thing that people expect of FBI employees, which is to say work criminal cases and go find bad guys. What they do is they go out and they say, I'm tired of working cases. I want to shake hands and kiss babies for a little bit. They go out to the public. They go find friends in local industry and they go find uh, companies that might hire them when they retire. That's a really big thing on it. It's a government hiring um, retirement hack. So they go out and, and they forge these partnerships and they basically get buy-in from local business by getting to be associated with the FBI, which a local business might either find intimidating or cool. And they do this so that when the FBI comes and knocks on their door and says, hey, we'd really like this information. And by the way, I know you're part of InfraGuard and I know that we have a good working relationship. We'd rather not have to go through the, the niceties of getting a subpoena or any of the government process. We'd love it if you just handed it over because it's easy and we're lazy and we've been doing all this work being your friend. And it's really hard to say no to a friend. This is the number one rule they teach you when you are in sales. You make a friend first because saying no to a friend is the hardest thing to do. And now we have a publicly funded program of the FBI, the Department of Justice, going out and recruiting businesses in the same way that we would recruit a source. It's a tripwire program in some ways, so they want you to be able to tip them off when things are going wrong. And some of that's not terrible. But the backside, the backside payoff is when your buddies with the FBI, when the FBI comes and knocks on your door and asks for something, then you give them a list of all the Americans who bought guns and use their credit card January 5th to January 7th of 2021. Because because insurrection. That's why. InfraGuard is one of the dirtiest sort of things that exists out there, and it is classic. And I'm confident there are other government agencies running them. I just know about this one because I worked with people who were in this. And what's funny is I've seen some very favorable pro-FBI, pro-government position spokespeople coming out of the Washington field office. A guy named Pete Lapp was one of them. I knew Pete Lapp. This was Pete Lapp's gig. He was an incompetent agent who did nothing. He was lazy. He reminded me of Pete the Cat in a lot of ways. He just wanted to like hang out and be groovy and play his guitar and hang out in Loudoun County. Okay, that kind of guy is who works for InfraGuard. Badge, gun, no interest in being any of those things, was hitting on my ugly, weird boss, spent his time in the office just kind of lurking around and then going making friends and trying to find a retirement gig. And he wrote a book 
about a case he worked when he was an agent that, that he'd been in for like two or three years. That was like what he hung his hat on. So this is a place where they put agents who don't want to do any work. They go out there and they just recruit sources that are not officially sources that are going to give information to the Bureau without them having to go through all of the important and constitutionally required protections, which is that there should be an adversarial relationship between businesses and the federal government. These businesses do not want to be buddies with the, with the federal government, but they are bringing them in under the sort of carrot and stick thing. It's the same stuff we saw in the Twitter files. If you are not paying attention to this, this is what has happened over the last couple of years. The federal government basically, from the legislative side, promises a bunch of dangerous and expensive regulations and compliance, or you can be our buddy and you can help us out. And that's why we got a lot of social media doing censorship. Whenever you hear things like private sector government partnerships, you should think the word industrial complex. That's what it is. In this case, this is the information industrial complex, which became the censorship apparatus that uh, Michael Schellenberger talks about. When you hear things in the military, the private sector public uh, government engagement, those things are called the military industrial complex. And that always comes down to the same exact stuff. It comes down to the person at the highest level of these agencies, government uh, departments. They take their knowledge of who signs the, the check for the contract, usually because it's the person that's filling their old job. They go and work for the place that's going to look for that check. And they come in and they lobby their old buddy who just took their old job, who's sitting in their old desk. Hey, how about you sign a check for this new company I work for? It'd be really helpful for the country. It'd be really helpful for me. They've been really favorable to our agency. We have a partnership. That is the illegal, like, or the, the legalized corruption that Vivek was talking about in that video. And this has to stop. It has to stop because they are just taking all of your money and they are giving it to themselves. And they're doing so through inflated prices and tyranny and keeping you distracted by putting a bunch of mask holes out there. I really like that one, by the way. Mask holes is pretty good. We will do the, the survey, but I want to know. Uh, all these dumb masks... <laughs> Are out there gonna they're gonna be out there trying to push COVID tyranny on you. And in the meantime, they're devaluing a dollar, they're increasing the price of your of your property, and they are basically putting you so that you are working paycheck to paycheck, even when you weren't before, so that you are in a place that is the most difficult. Even if you owned your own property, you no longer own it because you still have to pay your tithe to the government every year. And that tithe percentage is increasing as these fake property values continue to increase. And don't think that your local and your city governments are not in on it. They are. They want a piece of it too. They're looking around saying, well, if everything's worth more money, that must mean people have more money. No, it's a cycle of abuse. It is a cycle of abuse by our federal government in this way, in a big, big way. I want to bring and highlight one last little piece out there. We are dealing with a culture war. We're dealing with uh, sort of this, this primary season where we should be talking about real issues, where we should be talking about this spirit of revolution, this culture of revolution that exists in America and always has. And in the meantime, we're getting distracted by people who are mad uh, and, and they're going to have this sort of division inside the conservative movement, specifically the Republican Party. This is a, uh, a little video that has gone more viral than I would have expected and good for her. Uh, Brianna Watley, or Watley rather, who came on our show and spoke, you guys will remember her from a couple weeks back. She put this out. She is a Florida resident, a 16-year-old who is spot on, about to go back to school for her junior year. And she's pissed off at her governor, which I think many of you are also frustrated with. Like, I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't really care who wins the Republican primary. I'd like to see somebody who's willing to talk about the things that Vivek is because that's where I really care about things. Whether you like him or not, the messaging he has is really spot on. But in the meantime, we're doing this Trump DeSantis nonsense. And uh, here is her take on the so-called listless vessels who follow Trump. Go ahead and play uh, video cup number three when you're ready. 
I find it hilarious that Ron DeSantis, a politician with no opinions of his own, calls Trump supporters listless vessels. Am I a listless vessel for believing that our economy was stronger under President Trump? Am I a listless vessel for believing that President Trump is being politically prosecuted? Am I a listless vessel for having supporting President Trump ever? I live in Florida, and it's a shame that Ron is running around Iowa and New Hampshire when the people of my state my family included, voted for him to represent us, not give Lincoln dinner speeches in New Hampshire and kiss babies in Iowa. Come back home, Ron. There's a lot of work to do here in Florida. Inflation is twice the national average. There's the property insurance crisis, and you have unconstitutional red flag laws on the books. I get that Ron is desperate. I get that his campaign is flopping harder than new Coke in the 80s but it's low to attack the proud supporters of President Trump, much like millions of Trump supporters proudly called themselves deplorables after Hillary said it first. I am proud to call myself a listless vessel. You, Ron, you're something a little different. You're a sinking anchor. Eek. <laughs> you know what I don't understand? How does that girl know Let's about go. new Coke from the 80s? Like, I think there's people my age that don't she remember new Coke. Yeah, she was spot on. Um, look, I barely I, I, did till she said it. <laughs> so I went back and I, I looked at uh, that speech because I was like, okay, did Ron get taken out of context as so often happens by people that are on one side or another? And the thing that I found that was most weak about what he said, not the part about the listless vessels, although I do think that's his deplorable moment. That's his, uh, you know, the Hillary Clinton deplorable moment. He's just branded a bunch of people that follow his political opponent in a way that is not particularly favorable and it will not play out well. Here's the thing that he said. He said we need to be more concerned about the durability of the movement and that it can't just be about what one man says and a bunch of people who are listless vessels just sort of like swaying in the in the tides that are going to be following whatever he says. He's obviously going after Trump supporters. Um, I think I said it more eloquently than he did just there. But the thing that, that is troubling with me is he said a durability of the movement. And we're talking about a man uh, in, in Donald Trump that has basically gotten significant popular support and growing and durable popular support since 2015. So how damn durable do you need to be in politics to be able to say that it is durable? Uh, it's certainly more durable than any like, you know, sort of wave of support that you could say is going for Ron DeSantis. And, and once again, I, I actually don't care on there. I did see big wave. Sunny days was asking whether or not I'm okay with Chris Christie. I'm talking about serious candidates here for what it's worth. I think DeSantis is a serious candidate, whether you like it or not. I think Vivek is a serious candidate only on the strength of his ideas, and he continues to pull higher and higher. So he's serious as well. And obviously, Trump is the front runner who's running away with it at this point. But anything can happen. Things can get weird. If you're not going to go out there and commit to a full pardon and getting Trump out of all this nonsense, then uh, I think that's a that's a DOA scenario for me, because we cannot have our political opponents weaponized or have the, the the mechanisms of government weaponized against political opponents. It's just, it's totally intolerable. It doesn't matter who it is. And Chris Christie, I can't vote for somebody that weight, period. There's this like meme that says, uh, you know, do you think less of my opinions because I'm fat? The answer is yes, I do. In his case, the guy has every possibility to not be whatever he is. Just it's America in 2023. There are TV cameras. Just get after it, dude. Like, I don't know what you need to do to not be so big, but stop being three men like you're not bringing three men's worth of ideas so pass hard pass and all of that all right um i think that's as deep as i want to get into any of this stuff today we are going to talk about the c40 the cities the 40 cities in, in the in the world that are going to go and try to be part of this freedom restriction but i just want people to be so aware that they're taking your tax dollars 
and they are funding things like mask mandates and selling off our border wall and pushing these things along. In the meanwhile, they're all like cheapening your stuff. She actually uh, hit on some other crises too. This this erosion of liberty, whether it be red flag laws, all this stuff has been normalized, normalized by leftist talking points. They just keep pushing and pushing and we keep kind of going like, uh, okay, well, maybe if we give them what they want. What we know is this. It doesn't matter what you give them. You have to stop. Progressives are, by their nature, going to constantly push things forward. Conservatives must conserve something. And if you're not going to conserve the basic liberties of your financial freedom, your ability to self-determine where your money goes, and your own choices with your body and your face and your, your, your ability to travel, then you are missing out on what the conservative movement is about. Conservatives are supposed to try to hold a line. So figure it out. You can, when you say never again, it's got to mean a lot of things. It means you never accept tyranny. And that starts locally. We're going to be bringing on some guests in the near future talking about, uh, you know, pushing back against tyranny in your own area. That has to be done at a local level. But it also starts right in your own mind, in your own cognitive infrastructure, as the uh, CISA folks would have us believe. It starts where you decide that you are not going to tolerate anything of the sort. You will not allow it to progress in your own household, and that expands to your community, and then you can move on to your city and your county and your state and your country, but it has to start individually. You have to push back right now. And speaking of pushing, scroll on down to the like button on Rumble and push the like button so that it shows green and you give us one of those uh, those thumbs up, you rumble us. We do appreciate all of that. We appreciate you guys listening, and uh, I hope you go into your week with a little bit of fire. And you have been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, which has been streamed live from Texas, America, where we have outlawed mask rules. And the Texas Supreme Court says that that is okay. If you're looking for free places, look around and find out what's going on in your community. Make sure they are passing laws and they are making pushbacks before the tyranny comes down. Because it's coming. If you're not, if you're not feeling it, you just have to get on social media for a few minutes and see that the Karens are out. The mask holes, the dumb masks, they are pushing it. And it is coming back for us. That is not on accident. There is a coordinated effort to make this stuff happen. Uh, I want to say thanks to you all for listening. I want to say thanks for the five-star reviews we get. Uh, we are up to 660 of them. We're trying to get to 1,000 by the end of the year. I think we can do so. This one is from PH69312. says, hanging out with Kyle. I've been following from the start, and I never miss an episode. If you want to know what's going on behind the scenes, Kyle's your guy. Listening to his show is like hanging out with an interesting good friend. My only quote-unquote complaint is that his show always ends too soon. 10 out of 10. I only suggest three podcasts to friends. Dan Bongino, Dark Delight, that's Tracy Beans, and Kyle. Everyone else is background noise. That is very kind, and I will tell you that uh, those two are people I listen to as well. When I get a free moment and I'm in podcast mode, the only other one I add is Adam Carolla. If you guys want to listen to Adam and Dr. Drew, it's 30 minutes. It's usually like a 27-minute piece, including the ad reads on there. And they, they are a cultural pushback with some humor, which we'd sorely need at this point, because if we get too serious, we won't be able to be functional, but you got to at least understand the issues. And Dan does a fantastic job. And Tracy does a great job as well, making sure you are aware. We do our best to keep educating you. And some of that is because of the hard work and the skill of our producer, Ryan Matta, who is not in Texas at the moment. He is on the ones and twos spinning out videos and bringing up all of these uh, topics that we've been working through. So we do really appreciate Ryan. You can follow him at Ryan Matta Media, M-A-T-T-A Media, M-E-D-I-A. I don't know why I'm spelling things out, but we are Ryan Matta Media on Twitter or find him on True Social at Ryan Matta, M-A-T-T-A. Again, don't forget to like this video on Rumble. Scroll on down. If you are not listening on Rumble, you can join us in the mornings at 9.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 Texas America, rumble.com slash Kyle 
Seraphin, and you can follow us pretty much everywhere on social medias at Kyle Seraphin. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Seraphin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Seraphin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Seraphin.